This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another podcast, another Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast here. This is Andrew and his co-host Spencer getting ready to bring you groups E and F, affectionately called the group of death and mini group of death here by your boy Spencer. Spencer, how are we feeling, bud? I feel just so, so excited to talk about these groups, Andrew. These, uh... When the when the draw came out and we saw this screw these two groups, we just kind of instantly were I know me and you were going back and forth about them. We're like, man, Spain, Germany in the same group. Oh my God. And like I feel like it's only gotten better. We're I don't want to go too far ahead, but like we've seen what Japan is very recently as US fans in a friendly. Right. I, like this group death, is, death of a golden Death of a golden uh, generation here in Costa Rica. Like a lot to talk about in just the one group. We haven't even talked about the other group yet. Just one group that we're going to be covering. One, 100%. And then the other one we got, like, there's a lot of storylines with like Belgium. There's teams in that group that are all like kind of of the same level that we get into. Like these are two really, really interesting groups to me, Andrew. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about both of them. Maybe maybe the fastest group ever assembled, just off the top of my head here. You've got Yannick Carrasco, super fast for Belgium. You've got good players for Croatia. And then you've got Alfonso Davies and Akrof Hakimi in the same group. If you wind them up in a foot race, this might be the fastest relay team you've ever seen. But they are going to be playing soccer. We are going to be bringing you the info on this. Just a group of absolute destroyers of um, fullbacks on FIFA that when you see them, you go, oh, that guy's <laughs> on the other team. God damn it, man. Why can't I get behind this line? <laughs> but uh, this is real life soccer. Just just a bit of a FIFA jab in there. But I uh, we, we see a lot of parallels, man. And it's, it's going to come up in the intros when we get into them. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll break it all down for you as we have with all these other groups so far. Uh, some hot takes in there to tease it a little bit, but what do you say, Andrew? Should we just throw it over to ourselves and uh, dive into these two groups or what? I, I think I'm absolutely ready to throw it over to you to get us started here with Group E. Spain, Germany, Costa Rica, and France. Spencer, what do we got, buddy? Let's dive into this Group E because it's tasty, man, and we got a lot here. Um that said, uh, I'm not going to trudge too much upon my predictions, but we're probably starting at what would be considered the weakest of the lot with Costa Rica, um, a team we're relatively familiar with uh, because they do play in CONCACAF and they do occasionally upset the U.S. when we go there. Uh, Kaylor Navas has haunted our dreams at times. And I was going to say, they, they've upset me on multiple occasions, but I don't know if I think of them as upset worthy in this case. For sure. Well, uh, the aforementioned Kaylor Navas is still probably the main figure on Luis Fernando Suarez's team. Um, the keeper still at PSG, not starting all the time, but he's still kind of the heartbeat of this team. Uh, 
I also highlighted Joel Campbell, the striker who plays for Lyon in Mexico. Still kind of their main guy in attack that you're looking out for, but um, this is an aging core. Um, they've kind of had their golden generation. They made a run at the World Cup in the past, and they've they've gotten some good runs out of this team, but these horses are not getting any younger, Andrew, I'll tell you. Um, they qualified fourth from CONCACAF. Um, they were even points with the U.S., but uh, that's because they beat the U.S. in that last fixture and what was kind of like a lame duck fixture for the U.S. If you remember, mm-hmm. we couldn't, we just couldn't lose by like five goals. So um, it wasn't the best loss for sure. We wouldn't, we would have liked a result, but it was kind of a game that was somewhat meaningless as long as we didn't get hammered. Um, so by finishing fourth, they had to go to the intercontinental playoff where they beat New Zealand one nothing. Uh, that game was played in Qatar. Take that for what it's worth. They have played in the country before, at least, though. Um, like I said, take it what it's worth. I don't know if that's worth anything or not. Um, play style-wise, this team, as you kind of could probably sense by now, it's a very stout defensive team that's going to sit behind the ball quite a bit. They don't have a ton of an attack. Um, there's a couple couple younger pieces that have been interjected with this core but um overall it's it's a pretty old team there's not a ton of energy in here uh, they've been running a good at variation of several different formations throughout qualifying um four two three ones become kind of popular but they've also gone five at the back at time when they're facing opposition that's a little more dangerous in attack um but they're going to typically just kind of try to catch you on the counter and see if they can nick a goal, similar to some other teams we've talked about here. Um, but they've showed against the U.S. in qualifying, particularly they have the ability to do that at times. Uh, Weakness-wise, I just kind of touched on it a second ago, goals are a bit of an issue. They struggle to score in qualifying, and um, most of their wins, they were grinding out one nils, two ones. I, I, if you remember, they actually started qualifying off horribly I, I believe they lost their first four in the uh hex and Concacaf. so they had a nice run at the end um that kind of leads into form their form's been pretty good um the last year and a half two years i do believe their manager if i i don't have it in my notes but i believe i read that he took over and if i remember right he took over after they were zero and four so they've been good under luis fernando suarez um in recent friendlies they had wins over Nigeria and a draw against South Korea. Uh, Nigeria not going, but a solid African team. South Korea will obviously be at this World Cup. So, yeah, overall, um, not a terrifying team on paper, but it is an experienced team that's done well in tournaments before and not completely out of the realm of possibility that they can maybe make some noise at this tournament. Andrew, what do you think about the Costa Ricans? Um, I, I agree with a ton of what you said there, man. They've just been such a thorn in our side for for years, really, right? It's just not an easy place to take race. I'm, I'm Joel Campbell, shiver goes through my spine. Kaylor Navas, just nightmare fuel. Um, one of the things that I think really stands out to me for this group is the toughness of them getting through, um, getting out of, out of CONCACAF. I know people like to disparage kind of the CONCACAF uh, – um, 
CONCACAF uh, nation group as a whole, right, with how they get through. And really, there's only three teams. But Costa Rica really has been on, like, a golden generation run here, right? It's easy to not think of them as such because they haven't done anything. But, like, Brian Ruiz terrorizing us for years. Kaylor Navas, Joel Campbell terrorizing us for years. And to have them make it kind of, like, literally one last go around with these aging stars is – is actually really impressive. I, I don't know how well they're going to do in this World Cup, but um, I, I I do kind of like it as like a send off last hurrah type of thing um, for that for that country for that proud kind of Concacaf uh, tradition. Um, I think the main like the burning question I would have for you here is: Does Costa Rica have enough left in the tank to take points off of either Spain or Germany in this group? Can you see it? See, I think um, Costa Rica would have a shot against some teams in this competition. I don't think those teams are Costa Rica and Germany, man. Um, Obviously, two of the teams that are in the top six or seven, I believe, in betting odds to win this whole damn thing. And even, like, don't we'll get to Japan in a minute, but don't push aside Japan either. Like Japan's kind of going through quite a nice little generation right now themselves. Um, I think it's going to be a really tough go for Costa Rica in this group. We'll get into the predictions here after we go through the other three teams. But to answer your question, I I think they'll very much struggle to make a lot of noise in this group because that aging core, yeah, they got experience, man, but I just don't know if they have the energy to keep up with uh, some of these teams. We'll get into the play style, the other three. And uh, yeah, I I wouldn't put my money on a slow old team being able to keep up with some of the firepower these other teams are going to bring to the pitch. Right. No, I just, I just think I, I could, I could see the reason I asked the question is I could just see it now. Game goes nil, nil full time. Right, somebody in Germany just has their head in their hands, falling on the ground. Tony Cruz, Kaylor, Kaylor Navas, both arms raised after he makes 15 saves and keeps them in it, and just kind of a nice little send off for them. Don't know that it'll happen, um, but <laughs> with Germany in the group and uh, these high Germany and Spain and these high powered teams, just like you know what could happen, man. Well, like with that, um, I think that's a good segue to get into Germany. Actually, I'm next on my list anyway. Um. We saw that with Germany last World Cup. Um, I've detailed it with my like love of Swedish football, too. Germany was in that group uh, that they did not qualify <laughs> out of. And Sweden moved on as winners of the group, I do believe, if I remember right. But that was at the expense of Germany going home. Um, Germany, if I believe I'm correct, they've like never not been to at least the quarterfinals except for that exit in the tournament so traditionally an absolute lock to get to the later rounds of this tournament they're coming off of probably their worst tournament ever their biggest disappointment ever so especially being the winners the um 2014 world cup leading up to it but um getting into this team hansi flick is the manager he's been there hansi he's been there for a few years now and uh, this is a good team, man. It's uh, and some of these names are really familiar uh, from teams past. Uh, basically, they're key players. Just name a player off of Bayern Munich, and they're probably a key player for Germany. Manuel Neuer, Joshua Kimmich, Thomas Muller, all of Bayern, Leroy Sané at Bayern. All these guys are really important to this team. Um, 
Injury wise, a guy that is important to this team that will not be at the World Cup is uh, Chelsea legend, renowned for bagging goals, Whoa. Timo Werner. It's a lot of slight. He uh, of he just recently. I I feel for him, man. He is all the jokes you want to make about Timo Werner. He does a pretty good job for Germany traditionally, and he's just picked up an ankle injury. I believe it was the second to last match day before the World Cup, so. He's yes. going to miss. He's been key for them in qualifying. He's typically the the, um, the spear at the top of that arrow. So we'll see what they deploy there. Marco Royce hasn't been as much of a lock for the lineup, but he's also going to miss this with an ankle injury. And um, Florian Verts, again, not always a lock to start, but was in the squad quite a bit in the last year or so he suffered an acl injury a few months ago and he's not going as far as guys on the squad uh leroy sane had a hamstring injury but he's been okay for the last couple weeks for um byron and featuring so it seems like he might be past that but just something to keep in mind um they got to this world cup by comfortably finishing first place first place in group j ahead of north macedonia uh, they weren't really challenged in that group. They were pretty far and away the leaders in that. So they looked very impressive in qualifying. And it's a typical German outlet, man. Rock and roll football, heavy press, lots of possession. They'll play out from the back. They tick all those classic German boxes. Um, they typically run a 4-2-3-1. Pretty tried and true for them. They don't switch a ton of times. They're... They don't have to switch. They don't really tip their team. That's they're they're in that class of teams. They don't have to change their game plan to play against other teams. They're not going to let other teams dictate the game normally. Um, weakness wise, I touched on it a little bit. Even with Timo Werner in the team, this is not a Germany of past. When you think to the teams that like won the World Cup with like Miroslav Klose. Um, they don't have that guy, that natural viper of a goal scorer necessarily. Uh, they typically are going to bag their goals from the midfield and from the wings. Uh, a guy like Kai Havertz, I don't know. You you see him a lot at Chelsea. I don't consider him really a center forward. He's more of a central attacking mid. Um, yeah, he's he's kind of moolery where it's like, I don't know where to play you, but you should play and I don't know what to do with you. Right, so they're going to depend on him to be probably pick up a couple of those goals that Werner might have um, vacated. A guy like Leroy Sané off the wings, Thomas Muller, as you just mentioned. Somebody's going to be interesting to me. Um, maybe a key player in a different sense, maybe like an X factor is uh, Jamal Musiala. Uh, this is a guy, a young player. He's a new blood in a, in a German team. That's a lot of the same old, same old that we're used to seeing. He's a new young player that could maybe make an impact, uh, be something a little different than what teams are used to seeing from them. But um, as far as form goes leading up to this world cup, it's been a little bit uneven. Um, Two draws to England, a defeat to Italy, a defeat of Italy. Sorry, a win over Italy. That is. Um, they also lost and had a draw against Hungary. They're one of those teams that was like deep in the Nations League, playing some kind of bigger fixtures. So you kind of got to take some things with a grain of salt. You don't know what was going on in those games. Forms overall pretty good for them, but 
it was it happened in qualifying too. They had a couple just kind of weird results. It's um, kind of that it's a bit of a trend with Germany that they just sometimes kind of Manchester city where they just have these weird results mixed in with dominance. But overall you can't really complain about a lot for this team over the last couple of years. No. Yeah. And they're one of the most impressive teams, I think coming into this tournament on paper, they look like a lot of these other teams, not quite the, level of elite talent I would say from France but you go through the entire roster and you're just blown away by all the talent that they have um I think kind of my my big question for you is do you think not having Timo Werner can be one of these things where it's a like uh like addition by subtraction do you think not having this Timo Werner which I know you're such a big fan of all uh sarcasm implied there but do you think not having that focal point up front who doesn't finish as often as you can they can be a more a better attacking team not having to fit him into that team um so I have had disparaging comments about Timo Werner in the past many that's a long time (laughs) that said (laughs) although he's been the butt of many a jokes between you and I for his time at Chelsea and his ineffectiveness there at times I do rate him. I think he does a lot of things well. And no, I would actually wholeheartedly disagree because there's not a natural replacement really for Timo Werner in this squad. Um, He picks up a good amount of goals with the national team. He's he's typically been in better goal scoring form, at least with them. He just still got his fair share of misses 100%, but he is generally pretty effective and that does, and I'm, I'm just talking from a goal scoring standpoint. It doesn't include all the things that he's always doing off the ball and stuff. Um, I think it's actually a pretty decent loss for them and it's going to be really interesting to see how they're able to kind of fill that role. And it's Germany. They've obviously got talent there that can help pick up that slack. I'm not particularly worried about it, but it is something they're going to have to manage, and I don't think them the better for it at all. Definitely can understand where you're coming from there. Um, I think you brought up the thing I was going to bring up about Timo does so much more than just score goals or not finish or be offsides, right? He's excellent in their press, right? You talk about the rock and roll football Germany always plays at this level. He is just... You know, he's let's talk about the like the tip of the spear. You can't ask for a better tip of the spear than that if you're going to be pressing that way. Um, I wonder if a kind of a a combination of Muller, Musiala, um, Nabry, Sane, they can kind of almost have like a false nine type of thing. And then I really do think that Kai Havertz has not been playing super well for Chelsea, but you're right, is a player I've seen a lot of. He scores like beautiful goals for Germany, right? He'll hit a crosser, you know, like something into the top corner from outside of the box. He gets a lot more freedom in that role. And I think that it almost could be like a blessing in disguise type of thing, right? On paper, I agree. You'd always want Timo there. You want your best to be available. But if you can get something weird where Mueller and Havertz are just moving and nobody's really filling the center and then you got guys crashing from the outside, could be could be kind of a dynamic, uh, different type of thing they can do there. 
Yeah, it's um, it's going to be really interesting. I don't like I said, I don't think it's going to be a detriment necessarily to them. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that if you're a German fan, it's certainly not something you're happy to see him go down so close because at least my experience when I've seen them in qualifying, it's always Timo at the, up at the top. They haven't really experimented with a ton less, a, a ton of other options, I mean. And yeah, it's uh, going to be a bit of trial by fire for however they try to manage that. But it's a German team I have confidence in, and I think that they will figure a way to have a replacement of some sorts and still be effective in this tournament. As as they say, like necessity is kind of the mother of invention, and I think maybe like in my head that's how they would kind of form and and be a maybe kind of a surprisingly team, a, a surprisingly good attacking team coming out of this group. But speaking of this group, not a bunch of lightweights here. What else are we looking at in this group, Spencer? Well, there's one other heavyweight, but I'm going to save them for last in Spain. Let's go to sure. Japan next, Andrew, and. Um, Japan is somebody not to be slept on. Um, manager Hajime Moriyasu has them playing really, really well. Uh, no. We saw it firsthand as U.S. fans and that friendly. I think we were a lot of us were surprised with how good <sighs> yes, they, did. how good they looked. <laughs> yeah, um, they've got some talent there. Um, some recognizable guys, more recognizable names than you'd probably see in years past. Uh, Daichi uh, Kanada from Frankfurt, Takihiro Tomiyasu from Arsenal, uh, mm-hmm. Takifusa Kubo from Sociedad, a, a we, we talked before about FIFA career <laughs> mode legends. That's a FIFA career oh, yeah. mode G- legend gotta right get, there. Gotta go grab Takifusa Kubo. Like two mil, oh, Real Madrid will give them to you. 100%. Beautiful. So there's some there's some real talent in this team. Uh a team that's typically goes to tournaments and you know one or two guys off the team. There's a lot more name recognition on this Japan than years past, I would say. Um they're carrying a couple injuries. Um the center back Nuta Nakayama from Huddersfield, he's out with an Achilles injury. That's a bit of a blow for them. Uh mm-hmm. Kubo who we just mentioned He's been managing an injury, but he made the squad along with uh, Ao Tanaka from Dusseldorf. Same thing, managing something, but he made the squad. Um, but this is a team that's finished second in Group B behind uh, Saudi Arabia and ahead of Australia. And they probably weren't playing at their best at that point. They've really kind of turned it on the last eight to 12 months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a surprisingly attacking outfit. They're comfortable with the ball, and that's something you maybe wouldn't have said about Japanese teams in the past. They're comfortable to kind of take it to teams, um, and they will press you when you lose when they do lose possession of the ball. Um, like they run a four three three or a four two three one, so they're not sitting really back or anything. Um, yeah, it's 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 a team that's I, I know we you know, talked about a second ago, like I did not have any idea that they were such a kind of positive team when the U S went into that game against them. I knew they were a bit better than kind of years past, but not to what scale they were. Um, that's not to say they don't have any weaknesses though, Andrew, they, um, don't have as much depth maybe as you'd look for with like some of these top teams, obviously, and they've struggled to score as many goals as they probably should. Um, I think a really good comparison for 
Premier League Anglo-centric people like yourself and I, like they remind me a lot of Brighton where they're like really good. You watch them and you're like, man, they're like playing really well today. And you look at the end of the game and they're losing a game like one nothing. And you're like, they've had like 11 scoring chances. Like, how did this not happen? Like, I know the U.S. game, we lost to them, obviously. Matt Turner made a bunch of like great saves. They missed a couple opportunities. Like, you know, you, you kind of understand what I'm saying with that comparison. Oh, for sure. I almost think it's more of a Leeds because I think of them as like this kind of young attacking pressing team, especially right. And Brighton does that. But like, I think of Leeds has all these dudes like flying around and that's what I thought think of, especially playing against the U S team. I was just like, we can't get a step in here. Like we can't get a kick of the ball. Like they're just all over. And when Leeds is doing well, and I, I think it kind of goes to the same thing. Sometimes you look up at the end of the game and you're like, Oh, I, just by watching the game, if I didn't know what the score was, I would have thought they were winning. But um, yeah, that, that's kind of how I think of them as more of a Leeds, less of a Brighton, but also Brighton uh, hurts me more. So let's think of them as Leeds. Yeah, but they're a, um, they're a nice outfit, man. I, I think that they're being slept on in this group. It's a tough draw for them. I, I'd, I'd really fancy them a lot more in a lot of other groups, but it's the way the cookie crumbles. As far as form... Heading into this, uh, we've referenced the USA win and that friendly 2-0. Um, Asian fixtures, they've been taking care of business the last year or so, and they're they're, they're coming into this flying relatively high, as, as happy as you can probably be for a team like Japan going into this World Cup, I'd say. Absolutely agree. I think uh, probably probably the one of the most – I'll talk about another one here, but one of the most uh, – impressive Asian outfits to come in in a while here. And, and just based on like name recognition of multiple attackers and stuff like that for their team. Uh, I definitely think it could be, I, I, I think both Spain and Germany were probably annoyed to see an organized pressing team in their group. Right. I think they'll both get through it fine, but um, kind of my burning question is like, can the Japanese press and young attack, like in young attacking talent be enough to fight their way through the group? Can they, nick a point right against somebody blow out Costa Rica. And then all of a sudden they're sitting like, do you think that's a realistic option for this, you know, smaller team? Or do you think the big boys are going to roll here? You really, with your questions, you just want me to shit all over my predictions before we get to them all the time. Huh, I mean, it's, it's about all, I mean, look, man, you're, you're, you knocked it out on a lot of the other points, but I've, I've, I've got to play. I've got to play coy with you again. I, I will <laughs> say that I, believe that is in the realm of possibility yes i won't tell you how i will predict it falling but yes i do think this japan team has enough to trouble these two teams and make it interesting in this group uh it would not surprise me it would not surprise me to see them do something to steal some points off one of these teams and um they're gonna cause these big outfits problems i believe Okay. All right. Love to see it. Speaking of the big outfit, Spencer, Spain, what do we got going on for them? Spain. They are managed by Luis Enrique. And this is a Spain team that's, can we still say up and coming, I guess, Andrew, you think? like a lot of- <laughs> It depends on what area of the field you're talking about. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of young guys on this team. Let's get into the key players. Um, Rodri at City, obviously great as a holding mid. Um, Pedri at Barcelona. I, I believe him to still be 19. I think I heard he turns 20 during this tournament. One of the best young midfielders in the world. 
And he's um, disgusting. He's super gross. There's there's a lot of options for key players. I've highlighted Danny Olmo at like a central attacking mid. Um, when you watch Spain play, that a lot of it drives through him. He's a kind of key fixture in their attack typically. So chose to highlight him. Another guy that um, typically features for them, but. It's kind of hard to say. He's not been particularly good for Barcelona of late as Ferran Torres, but he seems to, with the national team, raise his level a little bit. Um, One of getting their players. <laughs> City legend Ferran Torres. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll get into their attack here in a minute um, to foreshadow a bit, but running through players a little more. Their injuries, their only real guy that's kind of been a fixture in the squad that's going to be missing the tournament is... Mikhail Oyarzabal from Sociedad. He's got a knee injury. He's recently like started to come back, but uh, Enrique left him out of the squad still, just not enough game time of late. And when you have the options of Spain, um, you have that luxury of being able to leave a really good winger out. Um, but qualifying, it was a bit tumultuous, but they did finish top of their group above Sweden. Sweden had, I was watching this game, rooting my Swedes on, but they weren't able to pull it out. Uh, the last fixture was in Spain with Sweden having, I believe, the like a two-point lead in the group. They couldn't lose. If they would have gotten a draw, any type of result, they would have won that group and gone instead of to the playoff where they lost to Poland. But Spain was able to win in Spain. Um, play style, tiki-taka, pretty typical Spain team. Um they like to have a lot of the ball. They obviously want to kind of drive offense and, you know, play through that midfield, which is their strength of this team. Uh, through Pedri, Olmo, Rodri kind of holding it down a little deeper. They have been running a 4-3-3 of late, and it's worked to varying success for them. Their weaknesses, um, they've been pretty stout defensively and we just kind of like went into the midfield of how that's maybe one of the better midfields at this tournament. That said, um, this is not your father's Spain. There's no like David Villa or Fernando Torres in this team. That's just going to bag a lot of goals for this team. Um, they've struggled to score at times, Andrew, and it's a bit of a concern for them. I'd say, um, they kind of just lack that, cutting edge sometime in the final third. I know def- like defensively Sweden's very stout, but like they struggled to score against Sweden. They just they, they kind of similar to um we were a bit concerned about it with Germany. I, I trust those German guys to bag goals a little more and like Thomas Muller and Kai Havertz though than I do some of these guys on this Spain team. Um so it's kind of been a struggle to find scoring for them. It's something that they could be worried about, especially against um, more stout defensive teams, I think. Um, Form as of late, heading into this, it's been relatively positive, I'd say. But they haven't looked like they've been winning, but they haven't looked particularly dominant. Like they they lost to Switzerland recently and they drew against the Czech Republic. Um, They've got some wins in there, but they've kind of been grinding out results. Just kind of what I was just going into of, having 75% possession of the ball and only managing one goal or something. So form, I'd, I'd say the results have been pretty good of late, but um, yeah, there's, there's questions at least about the Spain team. I'd say um, they're a very young team, 
you never know. Somebody can always pop up and just kind of assert themselves. Tournaments make stars, and maybe somebody steps up and becomes that guy for them. But I do worry a bit about the attack, the attack, Andrew. I got. <sighs> I got to say, I, I, I definitely understand the worry about the attack with the names like you bring up is that like even just like Pedro. Right. I know bringing up a Chelsea guy, but like having such a reliable guy like that in attack where it's like, you know, if the worst player, if the worst winger you have is Pedro, you have a really good attacking line. Right. Can play with that Tiki Taka link with the forwards. Right. But and then even then they don't really have a great forward on this roster. Right. I mean, even like. You know, Arvala Morata, Nico Williams, pa- Pablo Sarabia. Like, I, Spain not having a guy who should be at the top of the, like, attack right there is tough, and I think their midfield's incredible. Um, so getting to the kind of burning question, um, are you going to be able to set your bias against Eric Garcia slash Ferran Torres aside and believe in the Spanish team? For the record, um uh... Ferran Torres, I don't have any huge hiccups with. Eric Garcia, I <laughs> if you follow us on Twitter, uh, that was very much me with the sly remark about people still rating Eric Garcia. I don't know how this guy is rated the way he is. He's never good for City. Every time I watch Barcelona, he's on the field. He doesn't look good to me. I The, the team's so good through the midfield that I don't particularly worry about that back line, at least early on. I think that... I guess to an extent early on because they have such a difficult group. If they had an easier group, I would feel not worried at all and probably have this team coasting to like a quarterfinal or something before they really ran into trouble. But uh, this group will pose some problems for them when you've got somebody like Germany, a pressing team like Japan. Um, Yeah, I, I think that overall, yes, I believe in this team, but um they will probably run into issues at some point. I, I, I weird, I weirdly believe in this team, man. I, I think like, especially we're talking about the wingers there. I think Fati and maybe even like Jeremy Pino are going to like, kind of like show out at this world cup. Fati like keeps like breaking out and then he keeps getting hurt. He keeps breaking out and then he keeps getting hurt. I think this is going to be his chance to really show himself on the stage here. Um, but <clears throat> I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think when you have guys like Pedri and Gavi in the midfield, and then even just the reliable guys like as Danny Carvajal, like Jose guy, Eric Laporte, Paul Torres, like in the back like that, I think this is really going to be a good team. My one thing with Spain is um, I think long-term, I agree with you. I think this team will be a factor for a long time to come. Like you look at a guy like Pedri, who's so young, Gavi's up and coming. This this midfield is going to be very good for a long time. Um, as far as really making noise at this tournament, I just think it's maybe a tournament too soon for this team. Um, we'll get into predictions in a minute. I, I just think that we're maybe a little early on the Spain hype. Um, Particularly, like I said, if they if they had an easier group and had a chance to win the group, <laughs> I'm foreshadowing, but if they had a chance to win the group, I'd like their chances to go further in this competition better. But I think that they're going to run into some problems. Um, like leaving a guy like 
I know he's not as up to it as he has been in the years, like years past, obviously, but you'd think maybe like bringing a guy like Sergio Ramos might make sense, just a guy that's been there before at big tournaments. Mm-hmm. I know he wasn't at the last Euros with them either, but he had fitness concerns then. He's healthy again. Maybe at least for like experience sake. It's like it's like the John Brooks argument with the US though, maybe. So I, I don't know. Um we'll 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 see what the Spain team can do. I, I, I think that long term this is going to be a stalwart at the end of these big competitions but might be just a little too soon to the party for them well even then getting into uh getting into the predictions here i'll i'll start at the top i got spain taking the group here i'm absolutely drinking the pedri sauce i think uh gabby's super good worst case if you're like if you guys if you have guys like coke like not even making it into the midfield like I'm a sucker for a good quality midfield, man. Um, I think Vati's going to break out. I think they're still really good at the back. And like I think Unai Simone or Robert Sanchez, whoever they go with in goal, is going to be enough to get them through. I, I got Spain here, number one. I have Germany at the top of my group. And I went mm-hmm. Germany because I think that Germany's going to be fired up after a really poor showing for them at the last World Cup. I think that this team's motivated. This team's going to come out with a lot of fire, and I, I pretty comfortably, pretty strongly feel like they're going to be the class of this group. Um, so I'm going to go with them up top. Okay, um, I, I did go. I did go Germany second there, um, for a lot of the same reasons you said. I think you know I don't think Werner's going to be addition by subtraction, but I think they could play in kind of a a different way that. Um, then people are expecting them and kind of just attack from kind of a different angle. And I, I, I think when you get into like guys like Leon Koretzka, Joshua Kimmich, like they're just so completely solid, right. That it's going to be hard for them to get through. I, I, I do like Germany to take second. I think this is where you tell me you have Japan housing Spain. Like if I'm, uh, reading the tea leaves, right. Based on what you got, I, I can't see what Spencer's got, but just based on the previews, I think this is where he makes a compelling case for the Japanese. Go ahead, bud. I, I said it last <laughs> podcast. And I'm going to say it again. I hate putting my name to these predictions because inevitably if Spain goes three of three in this group and makes me look like a complete idiot, then nobody listens to any of the good things I said about Spain. They just call me an idiot for, yes, yeah. picking Japan to finish second. There in this it group, is. Man. I knew it. I knew it. Look, I um, it a mile away. I filled out my bracket a couple times, right? And I looked through it and I just was like, Granted, like I picked Qatar to get out of the group, but I was looking at like all like the big European countries, right? And I had them all through at first, and I was like, you know what? Like, there's always that one team, that one of the big five. Granted, one of them's not here, so maybe that's the one team in Italy. But Italy, there's always hanging out at home. But there's always that one of those like big European countries that shows up to this tournament and just has a bad showing I feel like and I went back and forth on stuff man I I couldn't see it being England I couldn't see it being the Dutch I couldn't see it being Germany I couldn't see it being France whoever else I'm leaving out the Italians I think are the one I'm leaving out and they're not there so that doesn't well the Italians left themselves out side note do you think Kaylor Navas just like flips off Donnarumma just like oh you're having fun at home bud (laughs) Like that, they can't get along. They can't be friends. Hundred percent. But sorry, but, complete sidetrack. But 
Japan. So you said why you think Spain won't, right? I would pose the question to you, like, why will why will Japan? So Does here's how sense? I yeah here's how I feel about Japan because Japan I think is a Spain light kind of in that, like I said, they press very well. They do a lot of things well. They kind of struggle for goals. I think these are two teams that kind of struggle for goals. I think that Spain uh, Japan game is going to be a very interesting game, and I think. Ultimately, I don't, it's kind of just more a gut call than anything, man. I think that Japan might be able to get something out of that game. And if that's the case, um, I, I, the way I see it too, is that I think Costa Rica, if you're Costa Rica, you have to kind of go for it against Japan because you're not going to plan on doing it against the big giants of this group. And I think that'll leave them a little bit more open for Japan to have a chance to score some more goals. I think they should line up Costa Rica that is super defensive against Spain and Germany. And the Spanish, I worry about them scoring, like I'm saying. They just they struggle to find the goals sometimes. And I think at the end of the day, that was just kind of my deciding factor in sending them home early. I, I think that's just... I, I do. I, I promise you, if you're a fan of Spain, I, I do feel very good about this team long term. They're just so young, and I think we're just yeah, just a little bit early for them. Um, they're going to have a lot of good tournaments, but I think they're going to have to go through a bit of the pain to grow from it right now. Fair. I I I do what you said earlier. I think in your Japanese uh, part of that part of that last group was I would really love them if they were in another group. I think, I think that is like the truest thing. I like, you You know, we already did this part in part one, but like if they were in, if them in Ecuador swap spaces, I would be just as hyped up as this. But to be honest, I just, I can't pass up a good midfield like that, man. I, maybe it's just watching Chelsea play with such a horrible midfield. I look at a good midfield and I'm just like, Oh, can't bet against it. Yeah, the yeah, midfield's great. The midfield's great. I, I long term, I love this team, but just not this year. It's not their well, year for yeah, me. They're, um, they're, they're playing today. Just uh, just rounding this group out for you. I, I have um, Spain still finishing third, just kind of right, <laughs> probably there with Japan, and then Costa Rica yeah. last. What do you have? Third and fourth. I, I, I got Japan third and fourth. As much as I'd love to have a Kaylor Navas, Concacaf arms raised thing, like I was talking about before. I, I do think Japan's a very good team. Um, I think they got kind of screwed in this group, and you know, I think it makes sense. You're a group of death thing. You're trying to kill off uh, kill off the Spanish at their own game for the most part here. You got to kill off a giant, and I've decided to be bold. And so when Spain, like I said, goes three for three in this group, you can tweet me, call me an idiot, and you know, whatever. I don't and, care. And that's that's the kind of balance picks you we have on this. Spencer doesn't have Spain getting out of the first round. About five months ago, I put money on Spain to win the whole thing. So <laughs> balanced, uh, you know, we'll give you our true opinion here. But uh, diversity, man. What a what a call. What a call. We'll see. We'll see how that one ages, Andrew. But uh, in case it's terrible, let's just move off of it as fast as possible <laughs> and move on to your I'd next like to talk group. about it more. Uh, <laughs> no. Because um, honestly, honestly, I'm actually I'm I'm pumped about this group too. It's uh we kind of teased at it a little bit. Like this is a sneaky, like decent group. I like I um I like Belgium a lot, but like Canada, Croatia, Morocco, these are all pretty solid outfits. And um where do you want to dive into this? Where do you want to start? 
Um, let's let's start with Belgium. I definitely agree in your your kind of assertion there that like there's no easy out. There's not a you know like just to borrow from the last group. There's not a Costa Rica in this group. All teams have you know elite level players on them. But let's start with the kind of the uh, the golden generation here in Belgium. They are managed by Roberto Martinez. Um, they are headlined by the golden generation, uh, Thibaut Courtois, Eden Hazard, Romelu Lukaku, Kevin De Bruyne, Yuri Tielemans, uh, Thomas Munier, Vertonghen, Alderweire, Yannick Carrasco. Like, they have younger, like, talent on this squad as well. But when you talk about this elite team like this, right, this is who you're talking about, right? This is the team that is... Like unlikely, that core group is unlikely to hit a fourth World Cup. They've already been together, most of them, for the first three. Um, they just kind of talking about their form and how they come in here. They lost in to the eventual champs, France, in the 2018 World Cup, and then they lost in the Euros to the round uh, in the quarterfinals to the eventual cha- eventual champions, Italy. So, if you want to find out who's going to win this tournament. See who matches up with Belgium. Think when they're going to lose. That team is absolutely taking it home. Um, their kind of injuries. The main one they have there is uh, Sally Mockers. If I'm getting that name right, congrats to me. Um, he's really the only guy who played a lot for played a lot in this part of their kind of traditional like three two four or their kind of Christmas tree formation there of three four two one. Um, that just has a ton of attacking people in it there. Um, Yuri Tielemans scored one of the Premier League goals of the season. A um, couple Kevin, a couple of them. Um, your boy, KDB, is in, I don't know if I would say, like, the form of his career because he's always just so good, but um, been just absolutely all over the pitch. I don't expect him to do anything less um, with the attacking options he has at his disposal here. Um but they're they're playing pretty well coming into the tournament here. The main thing I would say is, well, first of all, they're known just their play style, that attacking, you know, are they going to have enough at the back to kind of keep up with what they have at the front, right? If they can keep other teams from scoring, they can outscore almost anybody, right? Um, but that's kind of where the weakness lies. Like you, if you're you're going into this with – for Tongan and Alderweireld at the back, right? They have some other players there that they could maybe start at the back. But if that's what you're going into this with, you really need a good um, performance from Courtois. And then I would say maybe the only other thing to kind of worry about is just KDB and Yuri Tielemans aren't the most athletic midfield in the world. If there's anybody I think can kind of make it work just based on their quality skill and doing it at a high level every weekend, I think it's those two, but um, I, I I really like how Belgium's coming into this. So a lot of the talk with Belgium, and I will preface this with saying it's not my burning question because I feel like everybody's kind of talking about it. It's like, is this golden generation over? Is the window closed for Belgium? Um, personally, I don't feel that way. I think that they should still be included in that kind of top tier going into this tournament. Um, Absolutely. For me, uh, obviously, the back line is aging with uh, Vertonghen and Alderweireld. But um, a guy that's interesting to me, 
I don't know how much like you saw about him in your research, but he's been in good form for Leicester lately. Is maybe my second favorite Voot Voot phase. Um, he's been good for Leicester lately, man. I know they were so bad at the beginning of the season, but he's been in good form lately. He's a younger center back, I believe he's twenty four, and he's a guy that, like I said, I don't know how much he's been featuring for them, but. I think it's a guy that could breathe some life into that back line that's become so stale. And, you know, I think when you're a team that's been so close like Belgium, that might be all it takes. Um, One thing that concerns me about them is, you know, one of your notoriously favorite Chelsea projects, Romelu Lukaku, has been hurt a lot this year. I, I do mm-hmm. wonder a bit, can they replace those goals? Because he is typically so good for Belgium. Um, but overall, man, this is a team that I feel pretty good about. Like, do, yeah. Would you agree with that? Are you on the oh, same wavelength as me? I, I feel super good about this team. Um, I The thing I would say is like, with, just starting with your comment there about like at the back, like they've tried the... Like no no team in Europe has needed like a Ruben Diaz or Virgil Van Dijk to just come through and be some sort of like game changing center back than these two, right? Because they've always had two guys back there that are pretty solid but can't quite get it done. So if they could just right, if it's if it's Woot phase, if it's they also brought like Zeno de Bastin, who's eighteen years old, has only been capped twice for Enderlecht, right? If that guy pops up and he's a monster, right? All of a sudden you're looking at a different kind of Belgian team. Um I think your point about Eden Hazard is he hasn't been playing super well or regularly for Madrid, right? That's been true for a couple of years, and now he's been kind of injured. But he's of that elite group, right? You talk about KDB, um, Romelu Lukaku, right? That attacking group there. He's the most easily replaced, right? They have Yannick Carrasco. They have Jeremy Doku. They have these other guys who can go into the front. But even like... Leandro Trossard for Brighton has been super good this year, right? Like if he ends up playing a little bit more than Hazard, right? Or if something happens where he's not a hundred percent, that's not a bad substitution, right? That's an attacking substitution. He already plays for him now. I just, I think they have a lot of options at the Hazard position and not as many as anywhere else. Yeah, man. I, I think I'm with you on this. I'm, I'm into Belgium. I'm, I'm still buying the Belgium stock. I'm still buying what they're selling. I don't think it's um out of the realm of possibility that they've got one more really good tournament in them, um, which leads into my question to you. With um, all the chatter from the outside, kind of what about this, like being over, what, um, what constitutes a good tournament to you for Belgium? Ooh, great question. Um, I, I think they have to kind of get to, I think they kind of have to get top four. Um, Realistically, I think they need to look good through this group and get kind of lucky with their, not lucky, but like, I feel like they a lot of times are, get the early matchup with like, like earlier I jokingly said like, oh yeah, if you want to see who's going to win the tournament, just pick whoever you think is going to beat Belgium. They always do it, right? So I think they need to get a little bit lucky and get to, get to a semifinal, right? I think, for how good this team is, right, and how good they have been, winning the tournament, I would love to say, would be a rational, like, thing for them. But I think a top four is, like, the bare minimum of a successful tournament. 
I think um, kind of a fascinating debate and it's more, I, I heard another podcast talk about this the other day. Um, it's kind of a fascinating debate of like, we're going to look back probably here in the next 10 years or so and be like, did this Belgium team ever reach its potential? It's a deeper question for another day because they have another major tournament here to see what they can do because um, that golden generation was so hyped up. I'm a firm believer that they've been a bit unlucky, I think, for a country the size of Belgium to do what they have done. Do Like last World Cup, it's they incredible. beat Brazil, man, and then they get France. Like, I mean. Right, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Just a little bit of luck in the draw. Yeah. Like, anybody's earned it, I think it's them. Like you look at England, like England's getting – like Denmark, like I, I'm a big believer in Denmark, but they're just they're not at the level of like a France or like they get Croatia in the semifinals and lose to them. Like when you're England, like at the last World Cup, I Belgium needs a bit of like the England luck of like getting a good draw, going through a nice path, and they just haven't really had it because they've they've gotten great results at tournaments and they just they run into like they 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 always seem to have like a gauntlet of a schedule and it's always a really hard battle. But alas, that's like I said, that's going to be a debate for another day. Um, let's move on in this group because, like I said, I think we both kind of feel they're the class of this group, but we've got three really good contenders for yes. who else. I, I don't want to go on our predictions. I don't want to predict your predictions, but like one of these three is probably fighting for that other spot. And um, which one do you want to get into first? Uh, I think we'll just continue it alphabetically here. I think we, I think we'll roll with, uh, with Canada um, managed by John Herdman. So happy to just have a name I can pronounce um, the hottest team in CONCACAF uh, running through qualifying ahead of traditional powers, Mexico and the USA. Uh, Canada is Canada has basically become very good very quickly, right? They were kind of this like peripheral team and, oh yeah, why isn't Canada better? Like I thought that for years, like Canada is such a big country. Why aren't they better? Right. The same way the USA is such a big country. Why aren't they better? Right. And all of a sudden it's like, nope, boom, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, like you want some great, at least very fast attacking players. We got them for you. Um, And they really did. were just able to put that together so well in this tournament, uh, in the CONCACAF qualifying that, I'm I'm excited to see what they've got going on here. I mentioned Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, uh, even like Kyle Laren, Tejan Buchanan, and then Atiba Hutchinson has been their captain for years. Um, injuries, the big one heading into this was Alfonso Davies had been hurt. He's reportedly, he's made the roster. He's going to be playing, should be okay here after missing a significant amount of time with Bayern Munich. Um, but they are... They are they are rolling into this tournament here. Um, I their play style they do um, <clears throat> they do kind of like to sit and then hit on the counter attack here, which they're able to do um, with all the speed that they have up top. Um, I I've been very impressed with this team with the way they've kind of taken you know not just the U.S. who was at a downturn before, but really just wrestled. CONCACAF away from Mexico. I mean, I hate to just keep bringing it back to that same point, but like they were so impressive in qualifying with Davies, without Davies, right? It wasn't just a one-man show coming and doing that. Like, you know, you got guys from the MLS stepping up. I remember specifically they had a game with Mark Anthony Kay, who I've never thought about a minute since or before that game where he like dominated the midfield against our MMA midfield. And it was disgusting, right? And I don't think he's even been that great for them since then, but they've been getting those type of performances out of guys. And if, if they can keep that up, man, they're going to be maybe, and I, I would say this now, 
they might be the fastest counterattacking team just based on pure speed alone. Yeah, it just with Canada, it's weird, man. And just especially from a CONCACAF perspective, like it just felt like, you know, the U.S. was ascending and we were like kind of maybe threatening Mexico for the throne. And then it's like, bang, here's Canada. They're good now all of a sudden too. Like we knew like Alfonso Davies was coming up, but like Kyle Laren's really good. Jonathan David's really good. They've got a decent attack. Like they've got a, a pretty good attack. I'd say, like you said, the speed is there. This is a team that works really hard for its manager and mm-hmm. they're an outfit that's, uh, they, they turned a lot of heads in CONCACAF. Um, I don't know if the secret's out internationally yet, but I, over here, we know about this team. We've got to see it firsthand a few times now, and they're nothing to be messed with. No, and, and I think especially once you start looking at, like, it's it's easy to start looking at their roster and go, like, oh, there's a lot of MLS players in here. There's a lot of guys, like, especially towards the back of the, uh, you know, defenders and midfield and stuff like that. It's easy to overlook them, but – you're right. We've we've had a really good look at them, and they have been uh, up to the challenge. Um, but, but um, yeah, I, I do. That's all you got as far as like the breakdown of them. Um, I do have a question about them, and that um, kind of relates into what we were just talking about. I'm, I'm not worried about this attack necessarily. Um, there's a lot of good guys there, but depth of this team the back line of this team is there enough there for this team to make like a real run um i I feel they're susceptible to like if alfonso davies or kyle laren or jonathan david or hutchinson goes down like can this team sustain a loss like that do they have enough to make a run at this group and even maybe further into this tournament if something like that were to happen yeah to to borrow a phrase like I think of them as like a glass cannon, right? Their attack is so good. They have all these elite athletes, right? Can really run up and down the pitch and score on you. They have just enough in midfield. They have just enough in defense, but that's what they kind of have to hang their head on, right? They are a couple injuries away. They are like, it's all very fragile. Basically up until now, even with like, strangely Davies is is far and away their best player, but he's been the injury. They've been most able to like plug other guys in like, like they lose, you know, one guy who's super fast, right? And Alfonso Davies. Oh, we'll just bring in Tejan Buchanan, who's literally just as fast and plays on the other wing, right? We can still put our two forwards inside and that kind of thing. I don't think they have the strength in the midfield and at the and in and in defense to really challenge at this level. But it's it's legitimately their first time being here, right? They they don't know that yet. Right. I think um, just like a nugget, too, with Canada um, for people, if you weren't watching like CONCACAF qualifiers, they were very good. And I'm not taking anything away from them. But like I do remember like their game against Mexico, their home fixture against them, like it was a snowstorm, which is obviously for like Latin American teams, very foreign. Um, They had they had a very good home field advantage. They were very, very good. Playing oh, games home, in Canada, yes. they I, they put some fixtures in like Edmonton and the snow though, and um, that's obviously in a place like Qatar not going to be the case. Um, it is population wise a smaller country. I can't imagine like it's still. I'm, I'm a big hockey guy, also. It's still not the dominant sport, and 
in that country. Um, people are definitely behind it. They talk about it a lot on like po- hockey podcasts and stuff that I listen to. There's a lot of support for this team. I, I just I don't know if they're going to have anything close to like a home field advantage in any of their matches really over there. No, and I, and I think it's it's the for Canada it's very much the start of something, right? Whether this is a golden generation or just kind of the new, you know, what you can expect from Canada, right? you throw a couple defenders or a midfielder on this team and all of a sudden we're looking at a very, very good team. But um, I, I think they can make some noise here. I don't think this is anybody you want to play just based on the quality. For sure, Andrew, for sure. So got two more teams that are really going to be fighting with Canada, Croatia and Morocco. Uh, which one do you want to go to next? Uh, we'll, we'll roll with Croatia here. We'll go from uh, the strength of the attack to the strength of the midfield. Um, their manager is Latko Dalic. Um, the 2018 World Cup, World Cup runner-up is set to be reliant again on the old mainstays um, in midfield minus uh, Ivan Rakitic and their attack, uh, Mario Mandzukic. Um, they still roll out maybe the best, arguably the best midfield in the whole competition here with Luka Modric, Mateja Kovacic, and then um, Marcelo Brozovic. Uh, they have solid defenders and Dejan Lovren and Josko Vardial. And then their attack is kind of supplemented there by Ivan Perisic and Andre Kramaric. Um, so it's it's a very talented team. We all saw what they could do in 2018. They've been very good since then, um, even with the retirement of um, Mandzukic and Rakitic from uh, international play. Um, they come into this without any real injury concerns. It's still just kind of the shadow of those two great, great players for them. Um their play style, it's very structured. They're very reliant on crosses, which I think fits them, especially with Ivan Perisic being, especially this year for Tottenham, just showing it in the Premier League, like one of the nastiest crossers of the ball, right? I mean, um, if they can just get somebody to play striker like Mandzukic used to, kind of stick ahead on some things and muddy it up in the box, I I think they're going to be very, very good again in what is uh, Luka Modric's Mr. Um, player FIFA player of the year himself right going to uh going to do in this world cup yeah and I think um Croatia is an interesting team to me man because when you look at them obviously the run last time was amazing it was uh unbelievable to see them make the run they were able to and getting to the finals and you know, you wonder, do they have a chance to do something like that again? Uh, a guy, I w- a couple guys I wanted to kind of bring up that um, are new to this squad. Uh, you mentioned one of them in uh, Jasko Gvardiol and oh, then, yeah. uh, Borna Sosa, the left back. Uh, he was actually linked to City a bit in the summertime, so I became a bit familiar from that with him from there, but he's at Stuttgart now and he's a good attacking left back. Um, it's like two newer guys. There might be a couple others I'm missing that are – different from the last run mm-hmm. but I guess my big burning question when I'm referencing those two would be like is that a, is there enough new blood in this team to you know do something special again um because I is it still I guess basically the, like the Luka Modric team you know is it this team's only going to go as far as Luka Modric takes them and while Luka Modric is still a fantastic player at 34 35 whatever he is um you know, he won the Ballon d'Or in 2018, man. For he he was at the in the form of his life that entire year. It's his best, it's his career year, the best he's ever looked, and he's just not quite to that level anymore. 
Um, so I guess, is there enough new blood in this team to go further, even if you don't have a, you know, out of this world, Luka Modric carrying this team this year? Um, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I don't know if there's any other kind of Luka Modric. Every Luka Modric I've ever seen has just been completely out of this world. Um, and part of the reason for that is he has such familiarity with that. Like he can go and attack anybody because Brozovic is sitting behind him. Right. And he's sitting in front of experienced center backs. Right. They have so much cohesion playing together. Right. That it allows Modric to like get away with more. Right. So even if I feel like he takes a step back, I feel like then Kovacic can take a step up. Right. Brozovic can handle some of that. Perisic, I think, is playing some of his best soccer I've ever seen him play. I it's not a as as much of a star as he is. We've talked about a couple one man teams. This is not one for me. This is this is a, a full team with three with an actual superstar and three or four stars. I, I, I still think of them very highly. Um, and that they can compete. And I, I really like this group for them, actually. For sure. And um, that's actually a guy, too, I haven't even really thought about as much like a um, Mateo Kovacic is at just a higher level than he was. I, I think he didn't make that team in 2018, but he's mm-hmm. just a different animal nowadays than he was back then. Um, a bit more experienced and stuff. So, yeah, Croatia is a very interesting outfit. I think in a lot of ways they have a better squad than they did in 2018. Mm-hmm. weird as weird as that is to say but i just think that even though he's still fantastic i we're not getting ballon d'or runaway ballon d'or winner um luka modric this year i just i don't yeah. see that happening again but there might be enough otherwise to make up for that um we shall see let's uh let's round out this group though with morocco um an interesting team, I think, that a lot of people know a couple of players uh, from, but uh, dive into them, Andrew. What else do we got going on there? Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, this Morocco team managed by uh, Walid Rigraru, uh, just to keep the uh, fun pronunciations going on here. Um, so the strength of this team, and it's it's very obvious, right, or especially like the elite like right and left backs of um, Atraf Hakimi, uh, who plays for PSG, and then Nosir Masrawi, who plays for uh, Bayern. Um, and then I think that in kind of a combination with, like, Hakeem Ziyech, if he can get back on form, um, can really kind of elevate this team to where they were. They were one of these teams that um, had a lot of issues with the coach and who they were bringing into the national team. So uh, Regraru was... <coughs> Um, was changed managers, I believe, just a couple of months ago here, because he because Morocco wanted to bring in their elite talent of like Hakim Ziyech and Mesrawi back into Mesrawi back into the team, where he had pushed them kind of out of the team before. Right, there were months as a Chelsea fan I know where like, oh, international break, why isn't Hakim Ziyech being called in? Like, what you know is Morocco like so good that they don't need him? And that wasn't true. He just wanted the other manager just wanted this like, you know, pressing cohesion thing that Ziyech wasn't going to do. So um, the Morocco Football Federation picked the new coach and the new coach immediately brought back in uh, back in the old players. They also have uh, Youssef N. Nezri from Sevilla, who you might know as striker, and then Roman Saiz from Besiktas. Um, so I think it's actually a pretty, pretty well-balanced squad there once they get everybody there. Um 
but I, I think there are no real major injuries. Uh, their form has not been great. They just switched managers, but um, they're, <coughs> excuse me, but their main weakness is in the midfield um, where they have all this strength on kind of the outside of the team, right at right back, left back. And then you have like wingers that can attack and even, and Nezri who can play, you know, who's a striker, right? You don't have anybody kind of linking all of that together. And I think that's where this team goes from a team with a lot of shiny, good kind of flair please pieces without the real substance. Like they're almost the opposite of Croatia where Croatia has all this like substance and great midfield work and strong defenders. And maybe, you know, maybe they don't really have the wingers or the striker. This team, if you combine the two, you might win the whole tournament, to be honest. But just to kind of compare and contrast the last two teams we talk about, Morocco has a lot of flair and they'll need to kind of carry um, and provide the substance. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting. That's a story I was kind of keeping tabs on over the last few months is, Morocco hiring this manager because yeah, it's um, the understanding, at least from the outside, everything that's been reported is yeah. Like you referenced, it was, they have these world-class players and they're not even featuring much much less being like effective for Morocco and Ziyech and Masraoui. So I think that kind of leads into my like big burning question for this team in general is that um, how concerned are they, which obviously the Federation, but the team it's, it is well, the Federation obviously is very concerned because they switched managers, but like, um, you know, Ziyech, obviously he was a Chelsea guy. He hasn't been good this year. He's been rumored. Everybody thought he was on the way out back to Ajax in the summertime. I would have driven to the airport. (laughs) And, it's obviously still just kind of rotting away on the bench, but I, I think when I look at this team, like an attack, I, I find it hard to believe this team to be effective in attack if that guy's not firing. Um, how far can this team go, and how concerned, I guess, should they be with how Hakeem ZX looked over the last year? They they should be very concerned. Um, watching Ziyech a lot at Chelsea, right? He he just played in the last game over the weekend, and it's the kind of thing where he gets on the field, he he you know steps in on the right hand side with his left foot, and literally anything can happen, right? We've all seen him put an absolute ball on a dime, and he just you know somebody just taps it in, or he beats it through the corner, or anything like that, right? Um, but he just hasn't been able to do that. Like he is not been kind of like the, part of the reason he's not playing is like we need a left-footed person to put the ball in the box more than anything but he can't he isn't delivering that ball and his game is so much predicated on elite passing and crossing that if it's anything other than truly elite he doesn't bring a lot else um so i if morocco wants to get hot or make a run in this tournament or anything Ziek needs to channel like his inner Gareth Bale for Wales and be like the numerous, you know, oh, Moroccan Ziyech is crazy because we haven't seen it in about a year and they haven't seen it either. Yeah, I think um, I'm as an outsider looking at them. I I think I worry a lot about that. I think maybe they can grind out some OK defensive performances, but I see them struggling to bag some goals and I'm just going to let that lead straight into the predictions here um i do have them finishing bottom of this group do you have them in the same spot 
Yeah, I, I have them bottom here. I just, again, the substance argument, I think I was kind of making there. They don't have a lot of the midfield toughness or or uh, anything you want. They have all flair and no substance, but I, I put them bottom here in a tough group. So um, I'm going to jump to the top now because I think we have the same top pick also. Do you have Belgium topping this group or do you have I a, do. I, I have Belgium topping out. and looking good doing it. Okay, um, so... I think we're on the same page with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've, you know, creamed about Belgium already. So this is where it gets interesting to me because I'm going to tell you this. I filled out a bracket earlier, but I've been leaving it open as we've been talking. And, you know, (laughs) I I wanted to be led to like these were the groups I didn't do. Um, So I I did want to be like leave myself open for a little bit of like context from you. And um, Mm -hmm. you have swayed my opinion in this group. So originally... I picked Canada to get out of this group. Okay. I picked Canada to finish second. Um, I didn't know if Croatia had enough, but um, you've swayed me, Andrew. You've swayed me, and I've decided to, by the skin of their teeth, I think Croatia finds a way to get out of this group. I I appreciate that because I kind of did the same thing to myself two days ago when I started writing this all down. I was all ready for a shock pick for Canada, and then it's like, Oh, yeah, I haven't thought about Marcelo Brozovic in like a while. Oh, yeah, they still have Kramaric. Oh, they have De- they just have a lot of guys, and they've done this before. I, I don't think there's any reason not to pick them, even though I would love to see, you know, CONCACAF represent here a little bit and the flashy new upcomers uh, make a move. But, yeah, I've got Belgium 1, Croatia 2, Canada 3, and Morocco 4. I don't – I think if um, I'm not mistaken – I think mm-hmm. that means that you and I have both, <laughs> both to this both point <laughs> only well a that group was all the same but b I, I think that we all, both have the U.S. as the only Concacaf mm-hmm. representative yeah. making the round of sixteen. Completely um, unbiased. Completely unbiased, but has nothing uh, to do with I, our I, own uh, mental health I, for the next. I, I will well hundred percent, but I was I I really do like this Canada team and I. I like I said, I did. I did originally pick them for this, and Same. just is you sat there and you just rattled off name and name and name, and I'm like, oh yeah, he is Croatian. Oh shit, he is Croatian too. Oh, <laughs> fuck, he's Croatian too. Man, this team looks good, and I think that right. after well, a while, you brought up Sosa, and I was like, I didn't forget about Sosa, but I was like, oh yeah, he was highly linked with like an elite move for left back. It's like, oh yeah, shoot, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're going to have enough in the end after, you know, going through it. But that's uh, that's the group. Groups E and F, two of the baddest groups in this team, in the uh, in the tournament here. Um, Spencer, I'm just going to give the floor to you where you uh, are going to send home the entire nation of Spain in a soccer tournament without even uh, giving them a shot. Go ahead, bud. Um. Lo siento. I do believe that's how you say sorry in Spanish. I haven't taken it since like eighth grade, but if if anybody wants to correct me, be sure to let me know at fish fry spot. Um, but yeah, I, I I like the Spain team, but I, I just think it's going to be one of those weird tournaments for a man. Um, this Japan team, maybe I'm prisoner of the moment with how they dismantle the U S and maybe I'm giving the U S way too much credit, but, uh, that would never happen. Hey, that doesn't even sound like us. That's an insane. Hey, I live and die with the boy. Saudi Arabia might go really far in this tournament too. Even though, uh, 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure I eliminated them already in the podcast yesterday. So <laughs> yeah, and I and I know I did. Um, <laughs> um, but no, seriously, a lot of good stuff in this group. Outside of I got Spain winning it, and you have Spain going home. Uh, we both see Germany doing well, even though I don't have Japan getting out of the group. I think we really like the way. I think I was very complimentary of Japan, and you got them getting out of the group. So that's a huge thing. Bring it over to Group F. We got Belgium, Croatia, Canada, and Morocco. Another fun group there. I, I do have Belgium and Belgium and Croatia going out or uh, getting out of the group, but uh, um, not not without some controversy. I know I changed your mind a little bit there. Yeah, I was um, I was on the Canadians and uh, you talked me out of them, Andrew. You talked me into the not not so much talked me out of them. You talked me into the Croatians, man. Um, I think they after hearing what you had to say about them, that was not one of my groups. That was your one on the research. And uh, if you were a salesman, then that's a conversion for you, my friend, because you converted me. I'm uh, in on the Croatians. They're going through. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that now. So aligned in that group, honestly, that's like one of the first groups I think that we like had the same picks and it might be the first group that it, it, maybe the same so, team's yeah. another one, but like we actually, and, and even then I had to win you over. Right. Even yeah. then, it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be that way. We, we kind of came in with our preconceived notions. And um, I'm glad I made a good case. I hope now that uh, Canada doesn't go, doesn't go on a run. <laughs> we are a podcast of parody, if nothing else. We're we're bringing different takes. Uh, sometimes we align, but we're just we're out here just throwing bombs from each direction, man. You never know which Absolute way we're going. Surprise. And that's why you got to listen to us every week. You got to follow. You got to rate, you got to subscribe, tell your friends, tell them far and wide, tell them, sing the praises of the fish and fries podcast. Tell them where you learned all these nuggets about these teams. Be sure to hit us up on social at fish fries pod on Twitter. And we're just going to keep banging this stuff out for you. Right, Andrew? Absolutely. We got groups G and H coming tomorrow. More heavy hitters in that group, but uh, Spencer until then, I'll see you later, buddy. Can't wait for it, bud. See you then.